Hey everyone, and welcome back to my Blockadian universe. Today I wanted to talk about racism in general, um, just in light of the American presidential election and the new president-elect, uh, Joe Biden, and of course uh, the vice president, Kamala Harris, Um I, uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk about, you know, what this means and why it's so important for not just Americans, but for the world. So, uh, I, as most everyone knows, that President Trump was defeated and uh, the... Democratic Party, you know, led by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will soon be occupying the White House. And this is amazing. It's um, just wonderful uh, for the people of America. People have been celebrating, you know, all week. And um, it's it really shows um, to me and to the world, just how heavy a burden that, um, President Trump had sort of put, uh, out in the world that people felt I, I, I couldn't, it, it, to me, it was like, you know, having a dictator, um, being, um, you know, overruled and, you know, a sort of a turn. And it's just so, powerful that Americans felt this burden, this heaviness, um, with the president that they've had for the past four years. And I think it speaks volumes that, you know, it wasn't enough to just, you know, celebrate separately. It was powerful that everyone felt the need to come together and cheer in the streets, uh, very human. And I loved it. I loved watching it. And, you know, I had, um, from Canada, I, you know, we were, you know, cheering here at my household and, um, you know, after I always allow myself to have that moment of celebration, but then, you know, there was that moment of reflection that it wasn't a blowout there. It wasn't a landslide like it should have been that, you know, 70 million Americans voted for a racist. Um, and it's, it saddens me. It deeply saddens me because America, as it should be, um, the ideals that so many Americans hold dear is this idea of freedom and the fact that half of the country um, voted for a man who would take freedoms away from so many people um, is a problem. And it's not going to be fixed, I, I, I don't think, in one term by one president. I think it's something that needs to happen within each and every American, so much has to change within the system. 
um, with education and educating people on, you know, why, why they're wrong, why they're wrong to want to follow a man like President Trump, excuse me, and, uh, you know, if you haven't already, um, please listen to um, my podcast from last week when I was just talking about democracy, Um, because as we all know, again, President Trump is not um, being graceful in defeat, and um, the damage that could potentially do to America as well is just staggering. And so um, I feel that it's so important that these processes are being upheld because frankly, they are what makes America great. It's what's led to so much change for the better in America that these laws and rules are upheld and respected. Um, and so it it's frightening that someone would want to take that away just to better themselves. And it's not about one man or one president. It's about um, the country and that's you know what needs to be placed in the forefront so um yeah we we celebrate and but also acknowledge um that half of the country is not celebrating and one of the things that um has been cropping up on social media is about how um you know and i think uh, as a politician, you have to be uh, gracious in winning as well as in defeat. And I think um, President-elect Bi- uh, Biden did that very well. And he was urging um, us to come together and not treat our, um, you know, the Republicans as our enemies. Um, and I agree with that. I understand, you know, why he has to say that as president. And, you know, I believe that he believes that, absolutely. But um, there's a place as well for us, especially people of color, to acknowledge that these people are very much our enemy. There are people that, you know, I don't even know what policies, you know, that they would agree with um, of the current president, President Trump. I just, there are people that like him because of who he hates, and that is Black people. Um, And those people are my enemy um, as a person of color. Um, and just as a person in the world, those people are my enemy. And I, I get that you could have politics and have a different belief on, you know, how the country is led. But fundamentally, what Trump did was exploit the darkest, deepest corners of um, 
the worst in our society and told them that it was okay. Um, again, if you go back to one of my first podcasts and I was talking about this increased tolerance of hate in the world and he holding such a high and respected office in the land gave people permission to voice what they've been, you know, wanting to say for so long, which is that they are superior simply because of the color of their skin. And they're angry that people that aren't like them are getting advantages. They want to go back to a time when you were white, so you got to be right. They just want to go back to that time. They want to go back to having unreasonable advantages over other um, Americans, other people, simply because they believe so um, fully in white supremacy, and that's not okay. And Trump gave them license to say, yes, it is okay. And so you were seeing um, this growing um, feeling of things regressing, things going back where people felt that they could, you know, be so angry when we said that Black Lives Matter, um, that, you know, they felt that they could stand against such an innocent statement that wouldn't happen under any other president. I'm, I'm sure of it. If people felt it, they would feel it quietly. They wouldn't uh, shout it from the rooftops. And, and, you know, President Trump validated those ugly feelings for them. And um, there, there are people that voted for him whose minds and hearts can be changed that believe in um, unity and coming together and all people are equal and, you know, they're, they can be changed with logic and reason, but there are people out there that are going to hate because they hate and they will never believe that a black man, that um, an indigenous man or woman, uh, a, a gay um, bisexual, trans, like they are never going to believe that those people are equal to them and they are our enemies. So I like to, I've told this story many, many times and I, I like to tell this story when I talk about racism because um, I feel like it just very clearly highlights the point. Um, so when I was in university, I, at one point I lived off of campus and, um, actually my freshman year, my first year, and I was riding my bike, uh, it was a lovely fall day and I was riding my bike back to my house after class and I was waiting, um, on the corner uh, just for the light to change with my bike, and um, these two middle-aged, I would say, white men uh, pulled up beside me um, at the light, and, you know, experience, I was 
probably 18 at the time experience told me not to engage with them just because, you know, my hackles were up. I could feel that they were, you know, staring at me, leering at me. Um, you know, most young women would assume that it was, you know, an unwanted advance, but experience told me that it was racism. I could feel it in every fiber of my being. And so, you know, of course I looked straight ahead and, you know, was hoping that that light changed really quickly. Um, and they threw one of them threw an apple at me, like a half eaten apple, his garbage at me. And God, luckily willing, it did not hit me. It missed me. It came, you know, close to my, over my head. And, um, then, you know, I still didn't look. And then maybe a few seconds later, the light changed and I pedaled and off and was able to get back to my house. And so I was, you know, I always say two things. One is, I don't know what I would have done if that apple had hit me. Um... I don't think I would have, you know, I was scared, but more than anything, I was angry. I was more angry than I could remember being ever in my life because I was a child. I was, you know, barely 18 at this school and these were grown ass men that took it upon themselves to harass me because I was, it's, it was university town and just, um, you know, neighboring areas were not, not part of the university town. And that was sort of the problem with living off campus is that you would, you know, run into people that were not part of your university community. And, um, it, uh, there, it's one of, I don't want to say where it was, I don't know why, but I'm just saying that the town has been known to have issues with race, their history, but it's a university town. And so um, you get diverse groups of people from all over Canada and, you know, um, as parts of other parts of the world as well coming into the town because it's a well-known university. And, um, you know, I was angry. And I think that you know, I was formulating, you know, what I would do if they tried to physically attack me, you know, all this time is running through my head, just what I would do. But I, I think, um, yeah, I, I don't think I would have stood by um, if that apple had hit me. I think my bike would have definitely made contact with their car. Um, but I was, I was livid and I wasn't, they were trying to make me afraid and I wasn't afraid. And the reality of it was that they were afraid of me. I was young and I was black and I'm going to, I mean, the only reason I would be in this damn town was that I was going to one of the best universities in Canada. And, you know, they were um, 
two middle-aged men that obviously didn't have anything to do on like a weekday afternoon in the middle of the day than drive around and harass university kids. I mean, basically they were losers. And I, um, I, I think that Um, I think that that was sort of a deciding factor for me in, in racism, in the sense that I had done nothing wrong, that these men should have not been so cruel to me. And the only thing they knew about me was that I was a black university student, you know, riding my bike around. Um, it didn't have any impact on their life. Um, it didn't change anything for them, but they showed me such malice and cruelty based on nothing. And I thought that that's just, isn't that the perfect, just to make themselves feel better or to have something to show their superiority. And I thought, isn't that the perfect metaphor for racism? So the lesson I learned that day was there's no reasoning with hate. There's so many times and throughout our history, people have always put the burden of making things right on the oppressed and have never um, held the oppressor um, accountable for their actions. I don't think a simple apology is going to erase um, the last four years, um, the heinous, despicable, and disgusting acts um, that came about under uh, this, pre- this president um, that he endorsed and encouraged and fueled such the... the, the you know, um, the hatred he encouraged in the country, um, the the things that people have been suppressing in themselves that they felt licensed, they now felt licensed to express and revel in. Um, I I don't know that it's forgiveness is the right path. I think that those people will, you know, the smart ones will go back to suppressing those desires, but it's terrifying that 70 million people wanted to continue hating for hate's sake. And I don't forgive them. I don't forgive them. I don't think um, after what we've witnessed that they are deserving of, you know, forgiveness. They need to change. They need to change. What they've done is wrong. And just because they were defeated, um, it doesn't mean that, you know, their heart has changed. And as a black woman, I don't have any tolerance or room in my life for that kind of hatred, for not hating who I am, but what I am. 
and that is unacceptable. And I, I think it's a big ask to ask the people, you know, the joy and relief that people have seen in their the streets. It was so offensive, was so offensive to, uh, for lack of a better word, the haters, um, because you know they knew that the tide was turning again in their not in their favor and it made them angry and you know we all know that if the tables were turned it would have been relentless and the thing is people are dying people are dying because of uh the 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 complete disregard that the current american president has for human life that isn't um well, period, but particularly for those black and brown lives that he just doesn't deem as human. And we, as black people, know what that means, what that can lead to, what that is meant for our ancestors. It is not anything to be taken lightly. And I think that it's I do not forgive those men who threw an apple at me simply for being black in their town. Those grown-ass men who threw an apple at a child because she was black, they don't deserve my forgiveness. And there is, you know, I know that um, that's just, there is power to that. But I live my life as a black woman every day. I have to be on guard for that kind of hate at me every single day. And it's just something that you have to uh, endure and thrive on. I thrive on being an example to shame those people who think they're better than me simply because they're white. They will need to work hard to convince themselves of that fact when they look at me. That is my revenge and that is how I live my life. They don't need my forgiveness for that. I am a lesson for them in black excellence. And I think that, I think that, um, I think that that's the message that needs to be carried out not of this, let's just forget the past four years. I think it needs to be everybody who voted for white supremacy needs to be held accountable for that vote. And then those people need to either change their feelings or they need to, you know, not participate in the America as we know it. If you want to be a part of the privileges, then you need to step in line. And, um, you know, we can tell the difference. We can tell the difference. There are people that will act a certain way and they will be on notice, we know. But I, I think that no longer is should the burden be on the the people that did the right thing, the people that are being oppressed, no, no longer. I think everybody, the 70 million Americans who voted for hatred to better themselves because they were too lazy, whatever the reasoning may be, I think 
they their day of reckoning should come. And I think that's what we've been seeing with the Black Lives Matter movement and all this. It's just no more. We're tired. We are tired of putting up with this nonsense. And we're not going backwards. We're going forwards. And you can either get on the train or get run over by it. And I think that's um, a powerful message that needs to be said. I, I think people should understand that, you know, uh, the people that, you know, just threw the vote away that knew that, you know, as a person who was white, that, you know, if they voted for Trump or if Biden won, um, you know, their lives wouldn't change much differently. I think you need to be anti-racism or you're for racism. I, I think that's the message we need to to make very, very clear. I, I, um, I think that's the only way to have real and significant change because it should be a wake-up call um, that so many Americans feel the way they do. And if, you know, as a Black person, um, I've known it my whole life. I knew that it was there. I, 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 um, you always know, you're always on your guard that it's there. But I hope that for many um, people that, you know, don't, aren't people of color that are, you know, benefit from white privilege, that they see these numbers and they're as concerned with them as, as we are, frankly. And um, I think that we need to make very clear that this is no longer acceptable. And it doesn't come from, you know, immediate forgiveness just to blanket things over and just, you know, try to smooth things over. I think the, the, the message needs to be, we see you we're watching you get your get your act together because we do not tolerate hate thank you so much for listening i'll talk to you next time